Good morning, everybody. This is Emmanuel for your weekly podcast, The Classical Drunks, and I'm with Aaron today, Aaron Slancha. Slancha. And this week, we're going to talk about the UK general election, Woo-hoo! Um, which is happening on June the 8th. And before we start, a uh, little quick uh, parenthesis. I have my own theory. I think that Theresa May was not very happy about all the attention being drawn to the French election. And she was like, fuck it, I'm going to announce an early election just because she really wanted all that attention just for her. She thinks she's a bit jealous, yeah. A little bit jealous of all the swag that, that Macron has attracted. It's not really to secure her power over the Brexit negotiations or anything like that, or... Nah. No, forget that. No, forget that. No, okay. Right. So, yeah. She so doesn't need a mandate. It's fine. She doesn't want it at all. So, uh, um, so yes. Can you can you just give us a little quick recap on, on, on what happened there for, I guess, for, for probably our UK and, and Irish audiences are pretty much up to date. Yeah. But uh, for non-UK, non-Irish audiences, like, why, do, why is there an early election? Yeah, it's it's a really early election, but I, I, the the reason is because we've had a huge, you know, sea change in British politics because of Brexit. Um, Brexit what? Brexit what? Brexit Brexit the UK leaving leaving Europe. So you know that's a pretty big issue. So uh, you know Theresa May is basically who you know wasn't really a big player in the Brexit herself. She campaigned to remain. Um, you know, she's um, basically securing her mandate, I think, at this point, using this election to secure her mandate to bring Britain forward uh, for to, to leave the EU, essentially. And, and she's echoing that with her kind of um, her, you know, motto of strong and stable. You know, that's what she wants. Yes. She, she, she's kind of going for, look, we need, a, you know, a strong, stable government if we're going to push past this kind of Brexit thing and, uh, you know secure some kind of future for britain in terms of trade and all that kind of stuff so yeah that's that's generally why this election is being called it's basically to secure her mandate also because you know she's the new prime minister david cameron is out so also useful for her so let me try let me try to put it this way if i understand correctly uh because because the whole brexit thing was not expected no even by david cameron who who put it in place who put the referendum in in place at the beginning that was just kind of a publicity stunt Uh, yeah Um, it was totally it's just a way for him to you know kind of uh get 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 ukip off his back yes basically which i mean in a sense he did but uh, maybe yeah. not the way you'd have expected. But what happened, and and so my understanding is, uh, uh, the the last election was not made with that reality in mind. Bre- Brexit was not a reality, and it is uh, today. So in a way, Theresa May is saying, "Look, uh, we have to enter into the Brexit negotiation," and that was not on the table. That was not. On the debate when we when when there was the last general election, so in a sense she's saying we need to we've had the referendum now we need to elect the team who will draft and vote on the specifics of the legislation. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, 
That is basically what she's saying. Also, it was very politically expedient for her to have an election soon and like around now was because at that point, the main opposition, the Labour Party, were in shambles. So, you know, it was kind of very easy for her to, you know, but grab, that's not grab some conservative seats. Oh, sorry, grab some Labour seats. Yes, so. yes. But that's not new because uh, if I remember properly the la- during the last election... Um, Labour was also... Was also in shambles, yeah. I, maybe, I, I, I don't know if I would go as far as to say shambles, but definitely, with Ed Miliband, it, it, it reached really new lows. They, yeah, the, uh, Labour uh, Labor lost a lot of seats, and the Conservatives walked away with a lot of seats, so, yeah. But, um, but yeah. yeah, so basically this is to secure her mandate to go forward with Brexit, um, which it looks like she's going to do, if you look at polls. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you... Uh, because the polls are very interesting. Yeah. So, t- t- so now she's leading, but Labour is catching up to her in yes. the polls. And that's just over the span of a few days. Uh, over the span of the last like two two weeks, Labour have made like a really big gain in the polls. Um, that that's there's a few reasons for that. I think um, a lot of in the last few weeks we've seen um, Theresa May come out with a lot of uh, just gaffes i guess you could call them they released their uh party manifesto which a lot of people were not super happy with (laughs) um particularly that her um her main kind of base the elderly uh with all these cuts to public services which as we know the elderly generally use quite a lot of quite quite a bit yes that's uh understatement yeah so, you know, she's kind of undercutting her own base in a way. Uh, we've seen that with uh, the dementia tax. So, or what's being called the dementia tax, which is basically if you get dementia, we are eventually, we're going to take any of the money that you use on social care or health care, that kind of thing, um, and subtract it from the value of your home. Um, and then when, when you die, we're going to sell your home and take that money from your kid's inheritance. Uh, I think they're left with a minimum of 100,000 euros, but... Or 100,000 pounds. Yes, so she she essentially came up with a couple of policies that just just are not doing very well. So... So that's uh, so uh, which is that was I the mean, major one. Yeah. So, so we we'll, we we'll get more in, in in the details of the the policies. But what when what surprised me? So two things. First, um, so last time I checked the polls, uh, there was an extreme polarization by age of oh, the yeah. sort that I that I you know I would have to compare it with America, but I. The only thing I can rem- really remember in terms of you know something I can compare it to would be would be America with Trump. Um, even in France, I don't remember such polarization around the dimension of age. It's 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 astonishing. It's like, uh, we, yeah, we do see that everywhere though. Like generally, uh, younger people would be more liberal, more left. And that's then the true. older you get, the more kind of right wing and the more conservative your social views. Become. Well, or they stay still and and generally, you know. As yeah. as the joke goes, if you're not a socialist at twenty, you have no heart. Heart. If you if you're not a conservative at fifty, you have no brain. Uh, <laughs> that's but that that's that's, that's just no, an old joke. Um, yeah. But there, I would say degrees, and the degree here is quite extreme. So, um, which is a bit surprising to me that she would crack down on. I mean, from a you know, putting my economics goggles on. Uh, public choice theory, y- you say whatever your voter base wants. 
and yeah. you don't attack your voter base. So it's uh, a bit of a surprise to hear her, her say that. But uh, uh, as well for, yeah, so do we see, do you get a sense of, um, if I remember if I remember Brexit, there, there was also a huge divide between urban England and, and rural England. Yeah. Do yeah. we get a similar divide here? I don't actually know. I haven't really seen um, a huge... Um, I haven't actually looked at the demographics in terms of rural and city. Um, I know there is, of course, the you know age-old divide between north and south. The poor north, usually ugh, strong labour, you know, working class, poor north, industrialised, ravaged by Thatcher back in the... Uh, back in the 80s when she destroyed all the unions, uh, still very, you know, strong labour hold. And in the South, much more affluent, richer, kind of, still leaning very conservative. So, when you say North, do you go as far as Scotland? Scotland actually is a weird thing. Scotland is... Um, That's what I was going to ask. Scotland has their own version of what I like to call, their own version of labour called the Scottish National Party, which essentially is a little bit left of labour. And they... Just because they sometimes, you know, rave about Scottish independence, they end up just being like, oh, okay, they're Labour, but they also want Scottish independence, so Scots tend to vote for them. And yes. Scotland is very, you know... So is that still well. true? Yeah, so... Uh, for that election. Yeah, so Labour used to actually be get a lot of... Um, get a, lot, a few seats up in Scotland, but, like, the Scottish National Party have taken all the seats that Labour used to get up there. So. Which, is, which is what I remember from uh, the election of David Cameron. Yes. Um, uh, Labour lost as much because the conservatives grew but also because the SNP grew the exactly. SNP ate them for lunch yeah in Scotland so that's still true yeah so when you say the north you mean the the north of england sorry I sh- yeah the north of england right just so, to clarify again for yeah. the non non uh uk and and ireland affluent mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so that that's you know also has been heating into you know uh labor's popularity right so so um, to go back to what we were saying a couple of minutes ago, uh, so until let's say two weeks ago, the polls were showing there was a there was like a ten point difference yes. between them. So that would have meant a landslide. Oh yeah, absolutely. There there would have been a few seats that would have went to the smaller parties, but it was looking like uh, it was looking like the Conservatives were going to get a majority or a very near majority. And once you have a majority in English Parliament, you basically have complete one hundred percent control. So yeah. They would have been able to push because you can vote in yeah you can vote in whatever legislation you want yeah and with the surge of labor over the past two weeks uh, we are now seeing enough in the opposition parties so that they could grow um, combine and, and create a coalition but that, yeah so that that's, that's something interesting actually um, we've seen um, uh, actually a lot of the smaller parties um, they're they're um, their poll numbers have actually gone down. So this seems to be two things. It seems to be Labour eating the smaller parties and eating the Conservatives. So, you know, it, it seems to be... That's why it seems to be that eventually Englanders are coming to the uh, the first-past-the-post system uh, almost inevitability of having two massive parties eventually. Okay. Uh, go check out our... our yes, uh, our, our previous episode. Our, our previous episode on uh, voting systems. It's awesome. Right. So, so yes. Yeah, so that's 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 interesting. Um, so the SNP is still keeping strong enough, I would guess, in 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 Scotland. Yeah, they they are. But I, I, I the Lib Dems 
are getting crushed. Crushed. Practically. The grains crushed. And UKIP has disappeared. UKIP is actually... I've seen one poll where UKIP was polling at 0%. Right. So... Which, in fairness, it was to be expected because it was a one-issue party. And they've they've actually... Yeah, so they were a one-issue party and that issue has been, well, is on its way to being resolved. So without that, they had nothing else to really campaign on. And so... Yes. Yes, except, they were not going to ask for a second referendum, ex- were they? Yeah, exactly. So I think the only thing they're com- campaigning on at this point is muh less immigrants. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Like, less immigrants is basically all they've been campaigning on. And, you know, I think people are tr- hand, like um, are okay with trusting the Conservatives on that. So, yes. Rather than letting UKIP go down that road. Right. So so let's talk about let's talk about um, um, Brexit for a moment. Um because it's kind of a messy issue. Um, the so as we were saying, the referendum has has been done, and I think that even Labour has acknowledged. Jeremy Corbyn is not saying, you know, forget forget Brexit and and or organize a second referendum. It's it's yeah, no, set. He absolutely you know respects the democratic process and it's thinks that he needs to go forward with Brexit. Now, it, what he views as leaving Europe, whether that be a hard Brexit or kind of a more um, soft Brexit, I guess would be... So the, just the to word. clarify, what we call a hard Brexit is essentially the European Union just dumping. Yeah, basically getting out completely of the European Union, getting out of insti- all institutions, um, whereas... I, but without, without a transition period... Oh, there's going to have to be a transition period. Right, but the whole point of a hard but, Brexit is uh, the whole the whole point of a hard Brexit is, you know, getting completely out of the European Union, re- um, removing ourselves from all of the removing themselves from all of the institutions of the European Union. Whereas a soft Brexit would be, um, would be kind uh, kind of um, remaining in contact with you know certain parts of the European Union and remaining within certain programs. Right. So that's the, that's the difference. Is uh, uh, for example. Um, I don't. I don't know that there's any any political force in the UK that says that that uh, the UK should not engage in in trade with the European Union. No, both both the Labour Party and the um, and the uh, Conservatives are both very open to s- setting up free trade agreements with the EU as quickly as possible. Right. After leaving. There is there is a debate around immigration, obviously. Yes. But uh, uh, you know the. So what a hard Brexit would mean is is just dump the the UK out of the EU without any sort of trade replacement or you know any uh, 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 any negotiation on whatever may be uh, regulations on imported goods you name it. Yeah. Okay. So which is which is the the, the Democles sword in a sense? That's what no, nobody wants. No, I don't think so. I, even I think the hardcore people, the hardcore like Brexiters, hard Brexiters are, are still kind of say, okay, yeah, obviously we need to still trade with Europe. They're right there. They exist. We yes. have to acknowledge that Europe still exists. Um, Not only that, but uh, uh, um, the UK shares a common, you know, chunk of land y- with Ireland. Yeah, Ireland. Uh, that's actually been a bit of an issue as well. With will the bre- will there be an actual, um, you know. Remilitarized border in, <laughs> with Ireland. Militarized? I don't know what the word would be, but um, so but that, currently at yeah. the moment you can cross between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland without showing your passport. 
It's you just drive. There's not even a guy sitting there at a at a uh, at a checkpoint going, go on through, go on through. So that's a very good question because, uh, to my knowledge, um, um, so Ireland, neither Ireland nor the UK belong to Schengen. No. So all agreements about crossing the border as individuals, they're just between Ireland and the UK. Yeah, so as part of the Good Friday Agreement, which was the peace process that kind of has brought peace to Northern Ireland, uh, there was a common travel agreement so that Irish citizens, but effectively it's anyone living in Ireland, can cross the border unhindered into Northern Ireland. Yes, so, so, so uh, Brexit cannot affect that in any way. Um, because legally speaking, I mean, unless unless you have the unless EU, they renege on their on the common travel article within the Good Friday Agreement, yes. Then, but yeah. that's that's the point. It's it's that's between Ireland and the UK. Yeah, so unless the EU comes and say Ireland, you know, uh, do that or we dump you as well. I mean, you, you this is not something that that to be negotiated. It's it's not the, necessarily the EU relevant. were at the negotiation table during the Good Friday yes. Agreement, but I don't think they have jurisdiction over right. this in particular. I'm yeah. not sure. I'd have to look it up. But yeah, I'm, that's that's what I that's something that's something I wanted to clarify. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's just it's between Ireland and and the UK. So yeah. And as well as something that I was kind of alluding to so far, um, there is a, a debate between at least between the Conservatives and Labour about immigration. Because I think that there is kind of, a, as you said, general agreement. Trade is a good thing, and, and that needs to continue. Mm-hmm. But the Conservatives are not necessarily big fans of, of unfeathered uh, immigration inside uh, the European Union. Mm. Theresa May herself, who was Home Secretary, was in charge of um, immigration for a while. So you know, And she brought in measures to try and um, curb non-EU immigrants. Uh, now she kind of failed in that a little bit, you know. She set a target and didn't hit it, but you know she at least tried to curb non-EU immigration to lower levels than it previously was. And outside of the EU, once they're outside of the EU, I don't see why they wouldn't try and, you know, set limits for EU migration as well, you know. So yeah, hmm. kind of a mess to to sort out because it's I was thinking, messy, yeah. yeah, there's, there's but that's 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 what everyone's been saying. Uh, everyone acknowledges Brexit is going yeah. to be messy. Yes, so. because there was a question, the Irish question we were just mentioning. There's the uh, question of Calais in France, hmm. which again, to my knowledge, is is between France and the UK. Uh, uh, you know, it's not a it's not a European treaty or agreement. Set a set of agreements uh, to uh, to to maintain order around the French. Our, uh, you know the the the, uh, the tunnel, tunnel, uh, between uh, between France and, and, and the UK. So yeah. the tunnel, the Channel Tunnel. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a bit of a mess. Uh, mm. are, are there any other, I would say, any other big difference uh, between between Corbyn and and Theresa May on on the question of Brexit? Um, yeah, they both seem to be well. Uh, something interesting. Um, Corbyn was kind of quiet about Brexit. He didn't really he kept his cards to his chest. Didn't really say too much about you know Brexit during the campaign. He eventually came out almost in a kind of belligerent way to say he that he was Remain, um, but uh, and May and May yeah and May for the whole campaign was essentially a firm a firm Remainer. But again, she's you know said this is the will of the Democrat democratic vote that the people of Britain want to leave Brexit and you know she's respecting that and she's going forward to try and get the what she says the best 
deal for Britain getting out of the EU. So it is. It, it just astonishes me in a way because, I mean, you could not think. Again, it's it's very messy. We've we've said it, but in a way, you could not think of something that's, you know, a more um, healthy functioning democracy. Yeah. You have general elections, and David Cameron promises a referendum. He organizes the referendum. There is a clear majority that votes for Brexit. Uh, the two main parties get in line. And say, okay, we will bring about Brexit. We will bow to the democratic wishes of the people. Yeah, both. Yeah, Theresa May was a Remainer. Uh, uh, you, we were just saying, Corbyn was a. And we don't know if he really believed it, but officially was a Remainer. Mm. They are saying now that's what happened. We'll do it, and we organize a new general election to bring that Brexit about. Yeah, so it's kind of ast- astonishing. You know, like we're talking about all the political chaos that's happening. In a way, I'm I'm still amazed to see that democracy is still working. Yeah, this is what the people wanted, and all the institutions are falling in line. Everyone's doing what they were expected to do. No yeah. matter what your opinion is on on Brexit, and and everyone who knows me knows that I you know I had a kind of a shared I I had mixed mixed feelings about it, but it's actually. Uh, if you if you, if if I were to ask you in hindsight a question, you know how how should a democratic democratic society respond to such a question? I think you would have, you would basically describe what has happened, minus you know the 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 some marginal political scandals that have happened there and there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I don't know. It's um, it does astonish me in a way. Yeah. So if, if you compare it to you know what happened in Ireland with the. Uh, Referendum that happened. Uh, uh, was it on? I do not remember the Lisbon Treaty. Oh, the Lisbon Treaty. Oh, where okay. it was, you organize a referendum, and then oh, you didn't vote the right way. Yeah, you got it wrong, guys. How can you get it wrong? Vote again. Vote again. Until you get it right. Until you get it right. Um, yeah, that, that will that will be a that that can be a, a part of a wider discussion about the EU, and I think we will move on now from Brexit. Cause oh yeah, we yeah. Don't, we, we don't want this to turn into the Brexit episode. No, no, no. So. Um, so one of the major so one of the major parts of, of of the discussion that has happened, especially with what happened just a, a week ago, uh, was the question of you know terrorism. Oh yes. Yeah, and so because because we've seen we've seen both candidates have have. I would say less than satisfactory answers. Yeah. So I guess we could start with um, Corbyn because he's ha- he's kind of got the most flack around his kind of response to terrorism. Um, now he starts off usually in most when people mostly ask him about you know terrorism, he starts off with saying terrorism is bad. You know, using violence to achieve political means is obviously wrong. Great, Corbyn. We we're on. We're with you till this point. And then usually he says. But, <laughs> which that, were like... That never ends well. That never ends well. Uh, he says, but um, we need to be nice to the terrorists. Or not essentially that, but, you know, he's like, we need to... Um, be more understanding. We need to have a peace process. And I think a lot of people are looking at the current type of terrorism which we're facing mostly in Europe, which is Islamic terrorism or Islamism. Um, you know... The, 
and you can't really have a peace process when the other side is saying death to the West. It's like you can't have compromise on that, you know? So that's, so yes. I, I, I think that's kind of where people are going, come on, Jeremy. Um, with, with this is, there is no, we can't have compromise with, with these kinds of terrorists. And a lot of um, a lot of people have tried to draw some comparisons with what has happened during the troubles in Ireland, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, talk about far fetched. Uh, yeah, it's completely. Uh, it's not the same thing because you it's have a bad comparison. It's a essentially false comparison. essentially a nationalist conflict mm-hmm. that that uses kind of some religious justifications as a proxy, mm-hmm. but it's essentially a nationalist conflict if, yeah. you, if you think of the troubles. Exactly. It's not a holy war with people saying, we want you to die. Yeah. And we want all your values to be down the drain. Exactly. Now, some people will say that, you know, the UK foreign policy is partly to blame for, you know, terrorist attacks in the UK. And I will just say that, like, yes, the UK has been involved in wars uh, either through the UN or, you know, by themselves of across Middle East for decades and it has had an effect but however when we see terrorist attacks carried out in the UK it's generally from um, again Islamic terrorism it's it's like there were millions of displaced Christians and Jews from across the Middle East from war zones uh, we don't see them being the ones carrying out the the attacks so. I, I have such a hard time with the blowback theory because... Yeah, the blowback theory, that's... It, it works nice on paper for five minutes and then yeah. you check against the fact and, and you're like, you know, the Buddhists have been victim of horrible oppression yeah. under the Chinese. I don't see a Buddhist state yeah. with 100,000 fighters trying to conquer Tibet. Mm-hmm. That's just not happening. Um the Philippines are in the middle, you know, the, the thousand south, uh, um, uh, part of the Philippines are right now in the middle of armed conflicts. With conflict. an ISIS-linked group. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, did the Philippines take part in, in the in US-led invasion of Iraq in 2003? I don't, I don't remember, though. Same with the terrorist attacks in Sweden. Sweden. Uh, Sweden was not a combatant in any of these wars. Sweden and has been Sweden has been neutral for two hundred years. I'm sorry, Belgium. You don't get yet. Yeah. Uh, was Belgium? No, no, they weren't. Were they not? I, do they even have an army? I mean, <laughs> it's the Belgians. I, basically, the only reason they exist is because France allows them to. Even yes. you guys could invade them. <laughs> and well, the Germans did. The, yeah. <laughs> how how do you think that the you know we well, built we had built a wall, and it worked. They just walked went around, around it. it. <laughs> so, so yeah so yeah. so uh, th- th- yeah th- th- let's not go too much into the blowback uh theory because you know it's it's but it, it's obviously having a hard time 90 percent to do with yes. religion <sighs> and i, I would even struggle to say 10 percent to do with foreign i think i think the 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 10 gives kind of the terrorist kind of more kind of uh, ammunition to say oh look at the west they're bad but other than that we would still be getting terrorist attacks no matter what. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So the, the comparison. And but but Jeremy Corbyn basically he needs to he needs to kind of admit that this is a, an ideological war rather than and ramp up a bit his his rhetoric. Yeah, exactly. Um, so which is not to say that that uh, Theresa May is necessarily has all the answers to that. 
No, she definitely at least acknowledges that there's such a problem, which is, I mean, you know, congratulations, you saw that there's a problem, good on you. But, um, I mean, you, you were... You, tell us a bit about, you know, like, the fact that she's not... She's saying one thing, and then you look at the policies she wants to actually put in place, and it doesn't necessarily... Is the logical conclusion? Yeah, she's been really like kind of weak on terrorism. Now she says she's, you know, protecting budgets for terror spe- terrorist specific, um, specific, uh, you know, watch groups and this kind of thing. But at the same time, we see police rates, which is is something we really need right now. Is is more police on the streets to kind of for when these issues happen to be able to deal with them. Uh, but we've seen that she's cut police by 14% in since t- 2010. So that is, come on, Teresa, 14%. That's huge. Uh, so 20,000 less police on the streets. Well, not Theresa May herself. Was she already... Well, her party, sorry. Her oh, party. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and... Like, uh, so, yeah, I, I think... Uh, that that's that's an issue that she needs to kind of deal with, which is getting police numbers back to the rate they were kind of at, and um, right. focusing more on funding for you know anti-terrorism units. Also, like you you can't just say you're going to protect uh, budgets for anti-terrorism units. You have to say you're going to invest in budgets for anti-terrorism units. So there's also a um, yeah something that that if you uh, she mentioned cybersecurity. And the UK is a bit of a weird country there because it's a bit trigger-happy when it comes to surveillance. Yes. And mass surveillance seems to be something that she enjoys. <laughs> the only problem is when you, ca- catch, you, you, you catch such a wide net, cast, sorry, such a wide net, you're going to catch everything. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope she doesn't necessarily follow on that as, as because there were um, you know numerous I, I i hate using that word problematic policies that were put in place yeah like for example now when the uk sorry back to breakfast brexit but when the uk leaves eventually um the eu they are not going to be able to uh, go to the eu court of human rights in relation to their human rights law and they won't be under the eu charter of human rights so what she's suggested is that they have a British Bill of Rights for all British citizens. Um, unfortunately, with this British Bill of Rights, we've kind of seen copies of it um, or draft copies of it, and it mentions nothing in relation to privacy. <laughs> so, you know, it, it seems to be, oh, yeah, you have human rights, except your human right to privacy. Yeah. So, which is which is counterproductive. Which, yeah, and which allows her to push through her Snoopers charter, which didn't get through this round in, in, um, in the general... Uh, which didn't get through this her, the latest round of parliament, but surely if she gets a majority in the next one, will be pushed through, and will basically you know remove all of the British citizens' right to privacy, and, which is uh, which is very as you said problematic. It is, and we don't have time to do a full episode on on mass surveillance, but just to quickly mention it because it's you know I, I actually work in IT. The, the problem when you have too much, if there is such a thing as having too much data because raw data is something that you have to make sense out of. And targeting, you know, there's there, there's a kind of a, a common thread. If you look at virtually every terror attack that has happened in the last five years, at least in Europe, every time you're going to hear at some point in the news, that person was known of the services. 
Mm. And you're like, well, yeah, everybody <laughs> is in their database. So whatever happens, if you if you if you get if you just search for weird keywords on Google and you show up on their database, that's not a relevant thing to say. Uh, if you can't, if you have, if you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of names that are spewed by their database, it's not going to help you. You have to be able to narrow it down to a few dozen to be effective. And that's, that's the main issue with mass surveillance. It, it breaches people's privacy and it's not effective in the end. It's, it works afterwards, after the fact, oh, hey, he was on our database. Good for you. Mm. That did not prevent the attack from happening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so to let's shift a little bit from from um, uh, May's issues on on uh, terrorism to talk about how, and that that kind of circles back to what we were saying on on um, the dip she she she's had in the polls, yeah, because she is trying to become. A knockoff version of of uh, Margaret Thatcher, if I could call her that way, uh, by just you know coming up with an accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know she's got a really big hard on for cuts, basically. Um, which you know I, I I can understand in a way. Britain has a very big sovereign debt problem at the moment. Uh, you know they are literally trillions in debt. Um, but at the same time, um, I can I can see that you know. It, it just seems to be cuts for the sake of cuts at this point. Uh, you've got cuts to mental health, cuts to the NHS. The NHS, which 10 years ago was a very good health service providing, you know, excellent health outcomes for actually comparably very good good amount of, you know, good health outcomes for a relatively cheap amount of money compared to, you know, the rest of Europe. Um, and then you have, but like now it is, it's like they've had to, you know, actually start, you know, we have hospitals in debt. I didn't know a hospital could get into debt, but apparently it can. Um, so well, that's one way of of manipulating the numbers, I would guess. Yeah, you're not yeah, putting yeah. it. You're not putting it on. She's she's called it efficiency savings. Yeah, but there's still cuts, and there's still um, it it still just means that then instead of the hospital having to be able to do something, it just means it privatizes out that part of whatever the hospital did, uh, to to event to get out of debt essentially. Um, which yes. we were seeing the kind of the stealth privatization of the health service. We've seen we've seen the same in France, yeah. and um, I'd have to say, as a like, I'm I'm a very free market guy, but if you privatization without putting things in competition doesn't 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 solve anything. You're just instead of having the NHS paying for something, you're just taking that on your watch. But if there's no, I mean, it's it's not going to be very. It's, it, you're just shifting the debt to have people pay for it, but that's not making things more affordable. And, and, and I want to say as well, I think the British people were very, like, were very proud of their health service. And because, and they had the right to, it was a good health service, you mm. know? And when they see that health service um, being essentially torn apart through these cuts, um, they, you know, they, they have a right to be angry, I think, yeah. you know? Um, like, we see it in the Olympic, uh, I remember very, the Olympic uh, opening in London in 2012, they actually did a like a kind of a homage in the opening ceremony to their own health service. Like they're very proud of it, and they had a very good right to be proud of it. It was an excellent health service. So I can see their anger in it being basically torn apart. So yeah, and it it doesn't even necessarily make sense to me uh, because you were so you mentioned for example the dementia tax, Dem- dementia tax, dementia tax. Yeah. Because okay, so here's something that bugs me. Um, it is true that a huge chunk, 
and I know it's not a popular thing to say, but a huge chunk of, of healthcare expenditure is due to, you know, things that could be avoided. Mm-hmm. The majority of cancers could be avoided. You know, it, it boils down to we smoke too much, we drink too much, we eat too much, we get too much suntan. Just to talk about cancer. And dementia is not some... I mean, I'm I'm no health expert, but I, I'm not aware... I don't know that dementia is something that you can postpone by just cycling to work. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... it's it's um Yeah. So if, you're, if your goal is to, you know, limit dead... It, it 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 bugs me to to think that you would start by spending that you know by, by tackling issues that actually cannot necessarily be avoided. I, I I would start by stuff saying, look, people, you can avoid these health problems. So maybe we'll we'll reimburse a bit less on these health problems, but these over there you can't really avoid them. Mm-hmm. It's down to genetics or you know whatever. It, it's um. I'm even trying to reproduce the mental gymnastic that she went through. Yeah, and does not it does not even compute. Yeah, I, again, again, this is just a it's a it's a way to kind of it's it's maybe maybe you know you don't have to have you know mental uh, you don't have to be you don't have to have like a, a logical plan if you just have a giant hard on for cuts. <laughs> um, off to our comrade now. Oh, comrade Corbin. Yes. Comrade Corbin. Um, which is not an exaggeration. No, he is a Marxist, uh, and his shadow chancellor is what well. he's surrounded himself with Marxists. His shadow chancellor, who would be if elected, would be the chancellor of the Exchequer, aka if you're not up to the lingo, it means he's basically the prime minister of the uh, the minister for the economy. He is actually a self-styled Marxist. He has you know many times said, "I am a Marxist." And that's a no, that's a bold move for Labour, in a sense, because you know after Thatcher, it was the kind of I'm even confused about the terminology. Is that the one that's called old Labour now? So what you have is so you used to so Thatcher kind of dragged Labour more towards the centre, yes, and that was called back then it was called New Labour, okay, and now Labour, away from Marxism, away from Marxism, drags it to the centre, and now we've seen Labour drift back towards the left to the new new so it's the new new labor is like the the old old is like the old old labor of the 80s yeah but the old new is is now was actually centrist yes yeah they were like uh, tories light yeah the tories light which is Uh, fun to me in a sense because like you know thatcher does all these awful things and then we're elected oh actually we're happy she did them for us yeah so we'll just defend the status quo yeah so basically 80s Labour was, like, left of the Tories, and then New Labour was just centre, like, just slightly left of the Tories, and now current Labour is, again, properly left of the Tories. So, yeah, basically that's So they want, okay, so they want to return to to the the pre-Thatcher type of Labour, which, for anyone with an economics textbook and a history textbook, is not necessarily a happy time. Because Marxism has always been, you know, a great success everywhere yes. it's been tried out. You know, <laughs> yes, Corbyn has been. A, he's been an apologist for for the Venezuelan regime, um, so that's not an exaggeration. Oh, even we've we've seen him praise Hugo Chavez, um, who basically expropriated the entire country uh, and nationalized every ind- yeah. every major industry and, and and created one of uh, you know like 
as of now, they're in the middle of a civil war. He's strangely quiet about it now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> strangely. Um, um, everybody was defending Venezuela. is not really... I mean, Bernie Sanders, as of 2011, was blogging about how Venezuela was a great country, and now not hearing much about it. So that's kind of leaving us between really a rock and a hard place. I do feel really bad for the British public. They have basically a choice between the Hunger Games, where, you know, uh, uh, you have uh, Corbyn who wants, Comrade Corbyn who wants to turn, uh, turn the UK into modern day Venezuela and everyone has to fight for food, where, or you have um, May who seems to want to recreate the Hunger Games, the movie, where all of the poor people in the districts fight for food you know in yeah uh, and not have any kind of social safety net so you have the hunger games venezuela style versus the hunger games movie style so yeah so kind of fucked if you're in any way working class poor or even the lower middle class kind of it seems if if you have a healthcare issue that uh you know you can't afford so yeah (laughs) Sorry, guys. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, this is, again, I think this kind of gets back to our thing, which is maybe we kind of need more political centrism. <laughs> yes, the alt-centrism. The alt-centrism. It's the... like, hey, guys, we're very pro-business, but we also think that maybe a social safety net is a maybe, good idea. Maybe, you know, people dying in the street because they're suffering of dementia. Yeah, maybe Maybe, don't. maybe don't start with that. <laughs> start with preventable diseases. Yeah. Okay, if you get a disease for something that, I don't know, there could have been a vaccine for, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, let's, let's try to come up with something that's not, A, poor man, genetics. <laughs> that's your fault that you got the wrong genes. Yeah. Who chooses poor parents? <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Anyways, um, thanks everybody for following us. Uh, that was, as usual, a pleasure to do that podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, to press the little like button, to trash us in the comment section, and we hope to see you in two weeks. Great. Thanks, guys. Bye.